everyone. This is the Filament Games podcast. Welcome. This is Jennifer Javornik. I'm at the Social Impact Summit this week in beautiful Los Angeles, California. And I'm so excited because I'm getting to meet a whole bunch of people for the first time today. And I'm really excited about who we have today. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself? Thank you. Uh, my name is Fred Tan. I work for Hewlett Packard Enterprise. I am the uh, lead for our global social impact programs and help oversee the HP Foundation as well, which is our independent charitable foundation. Ugh. Yep. So much clout, so much power, <laughs> so much bandwidth. Tell me about the initiatives that you're most excited about. Yeah, for sure. So in 2022, we recently relaunched a new social impact strategy, really looking at how we can leverage our technology, our talent, and our resources for good. And the three areas that we want to drive change in is in healthcare, community resiliency, as well as diversity, equity, inclusion, and human rights. And so we're How did you settle on those? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it's um, where we saw the intersection between what the community needs, what our team members are passionate about, and what our business priorities are. And at the intersection of those three, we came up with these focus areas that we know we can um, do good work to make a change. And we know that we will be engaged in this in the long term. Um, So that's how we we narrow down these focus. Okay, cool. Well, tell me more about what some of the programs that you're supporting or working on yeah, for sure. those initiatives. Um, one of our signature initiatives is uh, HPE Accelerating Impact. And what we do is we work with um, a great partner called Fast Forward. They um, help tech nonprofits scale and grow. And the reason why we're working with them is because we see technology ha- as having the potential to impact lives. Particularly, we see that diverse founders with lived experiences of the solutions that they're trying to um, to solve for are able to innovate the better solutions. And so working with Fast Forward, we find these nonprofits, we support them. And at the end of a year of support, we give every team member $25 that they can then disburse to this portfolio of 30 nonprofits that we work with throughout the year. Oh, cool. Yep. So how does that, does everyone just get a list or yeah. how do they make yeah, a so, decision? You know, th- there's a whole campaign that we run. Um, we we spotlight some of the nonprofits that we work with. Um, and we we integrate a couple of, um, I don't know if you'll call them gamifications, but a couple of challenges um, that oh, incentivizes. right up my alley. Yeah, Tell me all about them. <laughs> that incentivizes um, our, our team members to to participate. So first we have a platform that we create um, with a great user experience that our team members want to log on and learn more about these nonprofits and work with them um, and also donate to them. The second thing that we do is we, we integrate a couple of challenges. So that if they if they donate to the nonprofits within a set amount of time, they unlock an additional $25 that they can give again. If the whole organization that they're a part of, whether it's the communications organization, if they are able to hit 50% participation, it unlocks another tranche of, of cash that the organization then um, is able to disperse. To are the people sitting on their $25? You know, we've sat, we, last year was our most successful year and we found that 55% of our global team members of 60,000 plus participated in this. Um, and we're really excited to give to... Um, tech nonprofits, developing solutions to improve healthcare, fight against climate change, um, and to and to address human rights. And so, you know, we're really excited, both not just by the nonprofits that we work with, but the desire of our team members to engage with them. 
Yeah, that sounds great. How did you get into this line of work? Yeah, I think I always knew that um, that I wanted to focus my career on something that makes an impact. Um, I came from a family, um, my parents actually never graduated from high school. Um, but because of the systems and culture of the country that we're from, from Singapore, they were able to experience economic mobility. And, you know, eventually we moved through um, um, a more privileged position, if you will. And uh, bless their hearts, um, working in insurance and banking and accounting, um, I knew I could never do that. Sure. Uh, and so I always knew I wanted to, to be... Um, focus and impact. And throughout my career, it's been a process of exploration. How can I make an impact in different industries? That journey has led me now to, to Hewlett Packard Enterprise. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That's really neat. So what do you think when you think about, um, how do you feel like a company with like HP is a massive size and, you know, they, they generate, a ton of revenue. They also have these really important CSR in- initiatives. How how do you feel like how do those coexist in, with inside baseball? Like what's happening within HP and how how do you feel yeah how do they coexist and how do you feel your CSR organization kind of operates within this massive organization? Yeah, no that's a great question. I think Right from the founding of Hewlett Packard, uh, Bill and Dave Packard, they set the expectation, if you will, and the culture that us as a company and individuals, we are here for the betterment of society. And it's not just a job for a few. It's a job that we all need to be engaged with. So on, on the baseline, it's been a really good culture. I think in terms of like the, the execution of it, we realized that us as a company, we're better placed to deliver on impact in certain areas as opposed to others. And so finding something that um, feels true to who we are as a company was really important. So the tech element, but also the thematic verticals that we look at was really important. And the last thing I'll say is that for us at HPE, we don't want to, we want, we don't want to do things alone, right? We, we, we realize that, um, to have the change that we want to see in the world, we need to partner. And so we look at our, our customers that we work with, people that we know in the ecosystem, and how can we um, do good with them. So one example um, is one of our great partners is the Golden State Warriors. Um, and we outfit their stadium with technology to deliver a world-class fan experience. Um, we are a tech company. We care about bringing diversity into technology. Golden State Warriors cares a lot about their community that they're a part of and bringing access to opportunities for them. And so we came together and we said, what can we do together? And our thought process was to have girls in particular for this instance come to the stadium and show them that, hey, you love basketball there is a place for you to marry your love for basketball with technology. And this is how it happened. So we brought them behind the scenes. We took them on a tour, showed them the technology, um, let them meet some cool basketballers, and then show them no matter who you are, there is a place for you. Um, and, and this is what I love that, you know, again, Hewlett Packard Enterprise tries to do good, but we try to do it together with people that we know. Right. That makes so much sense to yeah. me because all of our impact could be amplified through our partners and stuff like that. So what do you think about, you know, um, 
at least in my world, everyone's so busy. Yeah. Everyone's just so busy. Um, whereas, you know, I feel like society for years thrived because communities came together to support each other. And now everyone's so busy. Yeah. What would you say to someone who, you know, currently is in that trap of so busy and yet, um, you know, why would you tell them that it's important, even if you're so busy, why it's important to give back? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I'll frame my answer in two things. Our approach at HPE is not to be prescriptive in the sense that we share with our team members that you have 60 hours of paid time off to volunteer in your local community and you can use it if you want. But we know that there's work stress, there's family stress, there's social life, there's a million other things that are going on. And so we never want to say you have to volunteer. We just want to say we are here for you. There are these benefits that are available for you if that's something that you'll like to do. Um, and so I, I think for me personally, it's really important to create that supportive workplace and culture instead of being um, over-prescriptive and over-engineering volunteer. But a second thing that we're trying to do is um, the Edelman Trust Barometer come, came out with a, a finding recently that showed how most people um, find that overwhelming sense of community in the workplace, um, which makes sense because we spend a lot of time there. And so we start to think of how can we use our resources and might as a company to create the environment where team members can connect with each other on a more personal level, but also connect with the community um, that they are a part of. Um, and so our grant portfolio and programs, our community impact grants, for example, is specifically designed for that purpose. How can we encourage or provide the support for groups of team members together to show up in their community um, with a grant, but also an opportunity to engage with local organizations in a way that helps them to build deeper, more meaningful friendships? Um, and, and for so us, what's an example of that? Yeah, that's a great question. So one of the grants that we um, that we dispersed to was for Houston, where our headquarters is at, um, and we wanted our you know the, a group of team members had already been volunteering at a community center, and one of the things that they did that they do is to provide um, dental services for the local community, um, and they had been you know a couple of them had been volunteering there already, so we gave them a grant. Um, and a sizable grant at that, um, so that the work of the community center could be accelerated so that they can get new equipment, hire more people. Um, but at the same time, use that as an opportunity to encourage more team members to participate in that, to go down to the community center and to see the work that they're doing, to engage together. Um, and so again, you know, for us, it's all about the sense of community that we're trying to build um, through our programs. It's really awesome. You know, for years I worked for a really big company and you forget like at your scale, you can do things like offer grants to support volunteer outreach and time. It's so heartwarming to hear that or to remind myself that like, yes, they're big companies, but you also have so much leverage to make a big impact, Yeah, Yeah. which is really important. Do you guys think one thing we, I think one place we probably do have overlap of organizations is we think a lot about future workforce. Yeah. 
and equipping youth with the skills they need, especially from underrepresented population to get into STEM careers, as I'm sure you read the same statistics as we do about the dearth of uh, qualified people to do the job. So I'd love to hear about any initiatives that you're doing in that area. For sure. So there are a couple. We're a founding member of a nonprofit called Curate to Pathways for Innovation. And what I look at is how can you use AI to help a student um, figure out their unique pathway that they might have into STEM. In a sense, again, you know, there isn't just a one track path into a STEM career. Um, if you want, if you like Formula One racing, that takes STEM. If you just want um, uh, to look at medical field, there's STEM. So we use AI to help them figure that out. And then use AI to direct them to the best resources for their um, for the unique situation. Culturally competent, ready for where they are in terms of um, their education, um, and to help them get the the knowledge that they might need um, to learn more about the field and then to be prepared to enter that field. So that's what was the name of the nonprofit? Curated Pathways for Innovation. Oh, cool. Is that offered through schools? or? Yeah, so we work with school districts, especially school districts where they might not have the curriculum, STEM curriculum, right? And so we come in and we provide them with that platform that the teachers can use with their students um, as a STEM curriculum. Um, so that's one thing that we do. Um, another thing that we do is um, how can we help students realize that the world around them, again, is powered by technology? And then what kind of technology? This one relates a lot more to HPE. So for students who use Instagram, probably not Facebook because I don't think kids these days use Facebook now, but how can we help them see that, hey, what powers your games or your social media behind the scenes is cloud computing? Um, and what is cloud computing? And so we introduce them to topics like that. We created six um, guides and, and curriculum right now to introduce these concepts to students in a 30-minute burst about cloud computing, about cybersecurity, about supercomputing, um, so that they understand and learn about the world around them. Um, and if they're interested, they get to learn more. And if not, you know... It, That's so cool. A, How do you deliver that curriculum? Yeah, so we work... Um, with schools. Um, and so, for example, internationally in Singapore, we work with the local Ministry of Education. Here in the U.S., we've got a great partner that we work with called Pathful. They connect us with school districts and teachers to get into the classroom and share about a tech-related topic. So does HP show up in the classroom? So for this one, it's virtual. Okay. So we do it virtually. Um, and um, and it works well. Another thing that we do is we take people to our headquarters uh, and show them some of the technology, give them the hands on um, that, that we really love. So I think, you know, there are these two sections. Can we increase the opportunity for students to hear about technology? Um, and understanding also it's not a one and done thing. We want them to have a consistent opportunity to hear about tech topics if they would like. So the first, first baseline. Yeah. But the second baseline that we think about is. Um, all the education in the world is not going to do any good if we don't create the right pathways for them to actually enter into our career. So we provide internship experiences um, and easy ways for them to get into the company. Um, but there's also, and, and this is not so much focus on students, um, but our one of our programs is called the Cybersecurity Career Reboot Program. 
So for people who have graduated um, from college, maybe are working, um, we take them into HPE uh, to become cybersecurity professionals. And the only criteria that we have for this program is you cannot know anything about cybersecurity. Uh Uh, Because we believe in creating the opportunities for people to come into employment. Um, and, and I love that program, you know, uh, people who have come through mother who has multiple kids, um, and had to drop out of the workforce because um, of medical issues N- knows nothing about cybersecurity. We take her in and we give her a real life work experience, help her to gain their certifications to become a cybersecurity professional and then hire her after this experience. And so for us, equal important to give the opportunities to learn about technology, but then to make sure that us as a company, we are opening up the opportunities for them to actually come. Fred, I'm going to shock you right now (laughs) and tell you that I am a byproduct of one of those programs. That's amazing. Not more. It was, let me take you back to 1997. The world was going to end with Y2K. And uh, the company that I eventually got hired from identified there weren't enough COBOL programmers in the world to fix the Y2K bug. So they decided, they kind of did the math, right? They looked at the research, this is how many programmers, this is how many programmers it's going to take, we've got to do something. So they ended up starting to just, it was a crazy couple of years, but they just started recruiting people from non-technical fields who showed, who demonstrated kind of the qualities of like, intelligence, but perseverance and grit and kind of a willingness to learn and put us through a 16-week boot camp. And by the end, we started fixing, adding the century to the year. That's amazing. And that's how I started my uh, engineering career. That's incredible. Yeah. That's awesome. It was. It didn't work. You know, it'd be interesting to see. That was in 1997. Didn't work for everyone. Turns out a lot of history majors liked history yeah. <laughs> and didn't, weren't, you know, that uh, naturally gifted at coding. Yeah. Uh, but for, uh, it really changed a couple of people, including my life, who I never thought I'd be good at coding. But looking back, I was like, I was always good at math and I always liked puzzles. And uh, turns out I was great at coding. That's amazing. Yeah, it was really funny. So I I applaud that you're doing that because I feel like there's just, I am proof of like, yeah, especially in a field like cybersecurity where there's such a high demand and uh, high demand, low supply. Yeah. Um, it's a great opportunity to, to give to those people who can do it and persist through it. So that's really exciting. Absolutely. One of the things that we think a lot about is um, engagement. I think we touched on it a bit earlier, but kind of, I think so much that so much of the world now is instant gratification. And there's so much, we have so much choice enabled through our phone to go consume content about whatever we're excited about. Um, so this might be a more philosophical, but when I think about like programs that you run where you are trying to get your employees or partners like excited about initiatives, you know, where, where do you see like the opportunities for engagement? Like what's the hook? Like what are organizations like you thinking about in terms of 
how do we get people really engaged in the work we're trying to do? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think the the answer to that for that, that we're trying to do um, is we're deprioritizing programs and we are emphasizing the outcomes that we're looking to achieve. Tell um, me more. Yeah. So in a sense that, so I shared the three thematic areas that we're looking at, healthcare, community residency, DEI, and human rights. There isn't, in my perspective, a one program to rule them all that we're trying to coalesce people around. There's an approach that we're trying to drive to and an outcome that we're trying to get to. And what I see our role and my team's role is, is can we help our team members understand the outcomes that we're trying to achieve? And from there, let them come up with innovative programs on their own. Mm. Uh, instead of being prescriptive and saying, this is it, please come and join us and you have to do this. Uh, we're, we're saying, this is how we think we're best placed to change the world um, and to drive impact. Can you help us um, to, to innovate something that feels true to the area that you live, whether it's geography or culture? Um, or the time that you have, and and I think our, our team members appreciate that um, that we that we trust them to go out to do good work, um, and we see that as we give our team members more autonomy, they love it and they pick it up and they run with an enthusiasm that we would not have been able to generate. Brett, I hate to tell you, but you could have just talked about said the exact same thing and be talking about a video game. <laughs> it's one of the great powers in video games, which is agency. Yeah. It's player choice. Yep. I mean, that's why, um, you know, so many, we think a lot about education and educating people through video games and the, and, you know, so much of the mediums that are out there are passive. You watch a video, you read a blog, you take in someone else's, even like, um, you know, taking in art, you're taking in someone else's creating yeah. and just consuming it. Or video games, you get your inaction. Like the experience won't move forward unless you move forward. But for someone to care, they need to be able to make choices yeah. and have agency and align their choices to what they think value and want to create. Yeah. Um, you know, which I think is so, it, it is important. And I think it's just going to get more important as the world evolves. I think it's one of the byproducts of having so much information that like you've got to be guided by something. And if you, if you have a million options, of course you want to do the options that interest you or that guide you. And we're in a world where there are a million options. Yeah. So that's really smart. And actually to me, when I hear that, like in one sense, like kind of a big risk for a large organization like HP to take that, you know, usually a big organization, you need everyone beating the same drong and marching ahead. So kudos. So you feel like, when did you make this shift or when is this when you guys rebooted your programs? Yep, and, in 2022. So what have been the results so far? You're kind yeah. of a year in. Yeah. Um, so, you know, what we've seen is that our team members are engaged more than ever in volunteering. Um, that they care about the issues that we um, that we collectively have identified because it wasn't a you know one person making the decision, um, and because of that, we're able to reach more people that we've that we've ever been able to reach. And I, I love what you said about um, about the choices um, and, and that being present in games. I, I think one of the cultures that we try to to instill as well is um, that we want to 
that it, it's okay to fail. Um, and that that process of failure is is good and it will help us get to where we need to be. Um, I think of games that I played when I was a kid and um, I don't think I ever got disappointed when when I didn't like make it to the next level. Oh no, games are great day, at that. Yeah. Um, just get anything, up and try again. Exactly. It motivated me to try again and to find a different way. And that's what we're trying to take with our team members, you know, try something in your community within this framework and, and then try something else and see if you can do, if you can do good better. Um, and that process of experimentation, sometimes, you know, suboptimal results, you know, we, we didn't manage to help as many people as we wanted to help. That's still a success. Um, and it's something that will help us to do better in the future. And that's a culture that, that we're trying to inculcate as well. Not, you know, not just in how we innovate products, but how we think about showing up in our communities. That's really great. Because I could imagine, you know, being a large company like HP, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if you told me that you had a, a culture that was kind of risk averse and kind of high stakes, especially now where it feels like, the temperature, the tech temperature, as there's so many layoffs and everyone's yeah. are super stressed about performance. Uh, so that's really nice. Yeah. Um, do employees get recognized for their, is it part of their annual review in terms of their contributions? Yeah, no, it's not. Um, not yet. Um, but, you know, we, we recognize them in different ways. On the foundation side, for every hour that our team members volunteer and engage in the community, we give them dollars that they can uh, distribute to, to a nonprofit of the choice. Um, and depending on whether they do a hands-on or skills-based or pro bono volunteering, we give them uh, dollars um, to mostly incentivize more pro bono volunteering and because we want our team members to use the skills that they have uh, to benefit community. Uh, but one way that we, that we recognize, we just wrapped up um, Global Volunteering Month, um, and, and with this approach where we empower team members to run their own activities, um, we actually saw an incredible increase not just in the number of volunteers, but in the number of volunteers who volunteered for the first time that year. Yes. And, and that was incredible for us because we don't want, you know, we want the same people volunteering, but we want new people volunteering as well. Um, and so we're really happy with that. And one of the ways that we um, recognized them at the end was our chief sustainability officer, Monica Bashalder, who's also the executive director of our, uh, of our foundation, sent a note every single employee who volunteered in the month of April, thanking them for volunteering, sharing with them how many hours us as a company volunteered together in April. And that note didn't just go to the team member, but also went to the team member's direct manager. Um, and, and, you know, that's one way that we try to, to show our team members that we really appreciate who they are and what they do for the community and to help our um, our people leaders as well recognize that the work they do in the community is important um, and that us as people leaders, we, we need to create the right workspace where our team members feel empowered to be able to go out and serve their community. I love that. I love hear everything I'm hearing. <laughs> I think the other thing that comes to mind is, um, you know, also an opportunity for people to stretch in ways that maybe their regular job doesn't provide. Yeah. You know, if they're at kind of a certain level of the organization, maybe more of an entry level, but they really want to grow their leadership skills, here's an opportunity to step up. Or maybe they do a super technical job and they 
just crave working with their hands and now they can go build a house or, you know, do some kind of hands-on project that when their everyday life, they're sitting at a desk. Like it just allows, you know, that's one of the number one complaints is, you know, um, is employees not seeing kind of a growth path or wanting to experience growth in their careers. And this is suddenly, bam, not only is this available to you, but we're going to give you the hours to do it and the time. And you can actually just go do something you're interested in, which is pretty, you know, incredible. I think the other thing that, you know, you've emphasized, which is so important, just the good and wanting to give back, but I'm not sure everyone realizes like all the research on just how volunteering benefits your own health and mental health. Yeah. It is so good for us as humans, selfishly, for your own selfish mental health and physical health. It is so good as humans to uh, volunteer and give back because it shifts your context and it um, can, uh, you feel good when you're helping people. And then it often makes you very grateful for what you do have. Absolutely. So um, uh, I think that another great benefit that, that, you know, you guys are actually paying people to be able to experience, which is really cool. Yeah. Well, I felt like I knew a lot about HP before we start talking. I'm so glad I got to know more about this side of HP. Um, Thanks so much for uh, speaking with me today. I hope you have a great conference. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Filament Games podcast. If you like to hear more about games, game-based learning, and what's happening at our studio, subscribe today on iTunes or Stitcher. And be sure to visit us at our website, filamentgames.com.